Alright y'all, this is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of my California Immigration Series. This is my third episode, but tonight I've decided to give it a name. I've decided to call it the Golden State Issue. Like I said, this is my part three. Uh, tonight I'll be getting more into California, Mexican California, uh, and all the, we're also going to be breaking down uh, California independence. Yes, for those who do not know, uh, California was its own independent uh, land for a brief moment in time. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well and we're also going to break down uh race relations as explained in the uh mexican american war so we're going to break that down what caused that a uh, little break down a little bit of manifest desti uh, destiny uh but more so we're going to be talking about everything uh, related to the california front so uh let's get right into it uh, let's get you guys uh caught up kind of uh, we are now like i said at this point in california history uh the mexicans have uh taken control they have made their uh, own offensive official country that broken free uh, from Spanish rule and uh, pretty much everything north of Mexico we have uh, at this point would be modern-day Mexico uh, they also control territory uh, which is now Texas New Mexico Arizona so on and so forth I've kind of gone over this again uh, but with that being said this was a vast territory of land and uh, there was no real centralized government to keep the territory in lock uh, the capital city of course uh, was Mexico City. Uh, there was another capital for Alta California uh, that would be Monterey. Uh, but again, they weren't necessarily in great correspondence with each other. And also with that, uh, towns were like i said they were really spread out uh no real centralized government no real local government outside from a mayor uh that they were also called in a called and he would also serve as a judge jury executioner if needed uh the tax collector probably i'm guessing and just he just had a a, num a number of different roles and he was supposed to be just the head guy in charge of every every uh, town or so and mind you these towns were so far out so far in between with not a lot of people it was pretty rugged out there there wasn't a whole Again, uh, they were uh, in vast squabbles with the Indians. Of course, we're talking uncharted land uh, that you're seeing uh, Western travelers uh, come across, uh, the fur trappers as well. Uh, speaking of which, and I did bring a, bring this up in the last episode, a lot of the new my new immigration coming to california was white settlers uh either fur trappers of course like i said uh in the last episode with fort ross that was his prime function uh a little bit deeper uh, with that fur trade it's it's heyday hit at the turn of the 19th century so 1800 on the dot and it would uh basically uh it was steamrolled till about 1825 so it was a big movement uh, prominent uh, wealthy people back east and in Europe uh, were, were into felt hat, felt hats, coats, so on and so forth. Uh, fur was a big thing. They were traveling across east, uh, traveling across the United States from the East Coast to come here. Like I said, they were coming from different countries across the world. Uh, you had uh, in in uh, our ports, uh, what what, be, what will become San Francisco. You had ships from uh, the USA, like I said, Russia, also Peru and other Latin American countries. Uh, Mexico. Uh, it also changed its government at this time. Uh, it became a Republican government, so it was free trade, and also it opened up in the beginning to uh, new immigration because they, at least uh, in terms of the Mexico City on the political front uh, out in Mexico City, uh, they wanted to become a modern nation. They didn't want to be closed off to the rest of the world. They wanted to gain those new ideas, and they were looking to progress into the future. Now, however, with that being said, uh, of course, like I said, there was the fur trade. Uh, you have all this fertile land that's, you know, not being, you know, uh, 
dominated by you know an imperial group or a government so you have all these different groups coming out here from all over the world like i said uh the russians brought many eastern europeans with them uh also uh the american settlers uh they have many different backgrounds as well german uh as with john sutter uh, i might have stated yeah i did state him before my like my last episode he was of swiss descent uh you also have people coming here from germany england and ireland as well so you had a whole lot of different cultures here this is always been that type of state where you had that going on uh, but with that being said uh, like I said the the uh, immigrant populations were exploding uh, but there was not a lot of growth in the Spanish population uh, so they began to feel a little bit marginalized neglected at least by uh, the Mexican government uh, in Mexico City uh, of course uh, like I said uh, in the last episode especially when you had issues uh, such as with uh, Sutter's Fort uh, the reason that was uh, initially established uh, was to pretty much dominate the the American River area the Sacramento River area uh, from the natives and to tame that land and to pretty much set up settlements there of course like I said uh, there will eventually be a gold rush which we will talk about uh, a little bit later uh, actually my next episode we'll get into the gold rush as well uh, that's where gold will eventually uh, actually originally be found uh, in, in, at least in terms of the 1849 boom there was a smaller gold rush uh, in the 1820s again which brought which brought even more settlers uh, to the California area now like I said the now, for the government, like I said, the government itself wanted to expand. The government itself wanted to make itself uh, amiable to all, to a lot of different people. And we'll get into that in the in the topic of annexation in a little bit. Uh, but like I said, the Mexican people themselves felt a little bit neglected. Of course, uh, you wake up, you know, uh, one day and you, you know, it's just you and your small community and you wake up in about 10 years and it's, you know, you got all these different uh, people, these different <clears throat> you know, travelers in your community, uh, not necessarily, uh, with not necessarily, you know, claiming the same culture or the, the same customs you do. Now, mind you, uh, the California, uh, the Californios, uh, which they will eventually call themselves, uh, meaning the original, uh, I guess you could say, I wouldn't say the original inhabitants, of course, because you have the Native Americans, of course, but, uh, the, the, the first established, uh, group, uh, there, uh, now, they had a process of naturalizing citizens. They will allow uh, white citizens to come uh, for that, uh, white set uh, settlers to come in and, uh, you know, pick up Catholicism, uh, learn Spanish, I'm guessing to an extent. I don't think that that was uh, ever a requirement, uh, but definitely Catholicism. Uh, so, again, they would allow these people to come in. But, however, uh, there was some tensions there. A lot of the new settlers did not really want to... Um, adhere to those rules and not only that again the the regular population of the the mexican californians again felt very neglected uh by you know the establishment uh that's, that was going on in mexico city again they felt it was appealing more to the immigrants than their own causes i'm i'm sorry you can't write this down this is the exact same issues we're going through with today it's just so funny uh but this is how it is and we're eventually i'm going to take a quick break now uh, when i come back i'm going to break this a little bit down because this is gonna you know like i said eventually push 
uh, Mexico on the brink. This is, actually, this is technically going to be a civil war I'm going to describe to you here. Uh, and uh, California will become its own independent entity. So we're going to break that down, albeit just for a little bit, uh, but we're going to break that down in just a second. But like I said, I'm going to take a quick break. Once again, this is my immigration series, The Golden State Issue. This is your man, El Jamal. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, I am back. And like I said at the time, uh, there was some racial tension going on between whites and Mexicans. However, uh, the California government or just uh, the California as a as a whole uh, begin to grow a little bit. Uh, this is when you start seeing towns like Yerba Buena uh, pop up in 1834. Now, Yerba Buena was a strong, uh, strong trading town uh, with with a direct sea route, this would eventually become San Francisco after the U.S. Army took over. Uh, Sonoma was also founded in 1835 by Marian Guadalupe Vallejo. Now, uh, like I said, California was was still uh, progressing despite some of the issues that it was having on the inside. Uh, however, uh, like I said, the Mexican government itself would start to fall apart a little bit. Uh, things will start changing uh, when the Mexican government was was not able to pay their soldiers, their military. And they started to disarm, well, not necessarily disarm themselves, but disband and become independent factions. Now, rebellions in 1828 sought to reunify California with Spain. Now, that threw me off because I would for sure think be thinking they would want to be independent. However, no, uh, they wanted to reunify with Spain. However, this was all changed uh, when the coup uh, well, in 1831 with the coup of Manuel Victoria. Uh, this pretty much left California to its own devices. Uh, now, it was headed by one. Batista Alvarado and they would claim independence from Mexico and Spain uh, Batista would also become the first governor governor now the Mexicans would try to take back California uh, mainly in 1845, uh, but this attempt failed by uh, Manuel Mitchell Terrena at the Cahanga Pass uh, near LA. Uh, actually, it would be modern day Universal City. Uh, like I said, California itself would continue to develop uh, it's still becoming uh, a very well it's already a diverse land uh we already know about the ranch i talked about that broke that down with you guys uh with the cow industry uh selling parts of the of the uh parts of the cow uh skins uh like i said not necessarily meat at the time because there was no way to preserve it uh but this definitely the skin and tallow industry was booming like i said fur in, in uh fur and all that uh gold was be it wasn't a gold rush just yet uh but gold was beginning to be found in some parts so you have mining there too so this 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 area was attracting a lot of attention and their first little history well their first um I guess you could say their first encounter with the U.S. will go back to the go back to 1835 when Andrew Jackson attempted to buy California for about 3.5 million, uh, but the California government government uh, was not having it. Uh, eventually, Andrew Polk would try to uh, buy California as well, but the Mexicans uh, were not. Uh, this time, the Mexican government as a whole uh, was not having it, and this is where we get to the Mexican American War. Uh, but I'm I'm going to break down just the 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 build up to this real quick before we get into that uh that that topic there uh at the time uh you're going in terms of the u.s uh what's going on in that history you have the the manifest destiny uh thing going on you've had lewis and clark uh travel across to the columbia river valley in oregon uh you got settlers uh making that trek across the oregon trail 
And the whole point, uh, like I said, uh, that they're pushing, especially under uh, the next president after Andrew Jackson, uh, also a Democrat, would be uh, James K. Polk. Uh, he was the spearhead of that. Uh, he developed the term uh, Manifest Destiny, uh, basically uh, giving them free reigns, at least in their heads, to take over whatever, whenever they wanted to. Uh, and, and you know, at the, in the beginning, they would they simply thought they could buy the land from the Mexicans. Uh, they thought that they just had that right to have the land. Uh, again, this is, this is something that they came up with. Uh, there was no legal precedent. There was nothing that they were legally uh, binded to do or had any uh, legislation to do. Of course, this was something that uh, their president pushed uh, to happen, um, you know, like a almost like a a, a, des a despot in that situation. He goes he goes ahead and pushes the war, sort of like what Bush did uh, with the nine eleven situation. Again, you got mining in California. You got all these different resources. Again, you already got booming populations there, or at least developing populations that are that are willing to work or can be taxed. So uh, again, the U.S. was looking to expand, and uh, they, we were looking to be a little bit greedy. Uh, but we're gonna break that down in just a little bit. I'm gonna take another quick break, and we're gonna wrap up tonight's episode with the Mexican-American War. I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. I am back. I'm going to wrap this up for tonight. Like I said, I want to break down this Mexican-American war. Uh, now, at least on the California side of things, uh, things started off with massive, uh, well, with some racial tension. Um, now, uh, throughout Mexico's history and eventually California history, uh, many of the established communities, uh, many of the frontier towns were under constant threat of uh, Native American raiding or you know violence uh well of course they were on their land i don't want to say it like that but again uh the the spanish coloners uh colonizers whether it just be uh with the ranchos or whether it be uh with the missions these people would take native land uh misuse it mistreat the natives and this is how i just want to make sure you guys understood that this is how that violence happened. Don't ever think, uh, don't ever think it was just these natives were just attacking these white settlements. They were, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. It became, it, it seems like that on the surface, uh, but it's a two, it's a two way street. Uh, definitely both sides are to blame. Uh, however, these people, meaning these, these native groups, uh, like I said before, the Kuma, so on and so forth, the Miwok, they were being from the get go, they were being infringed upon by these foreign settlers in a lot of times illegal and inhumane ways and we're going to get to more about the california indian indian wars which are a lot deeper and a lot more brutal than anything you ever heard of as well so because we have to let you we, i have to i feel like i have to let you know before you get into who was here and who owns california and who really who who has ties here we need to understand that first and foremost and i need to make that presence felt when I can. So, mind you, uh, they were in these these uh, this this native territory, and they would be under constant threats. So, uh, in order to help out, in order to uh, get, you know, um, well, yeah, they would they would have basically white settlers coming there, uh, establish their own forts and all that, and basically act as mercenaries and basically fight against the Indian forces. These these white groups like John Sutter's group uh, will form their basically their own militias. They would be well stocked, well am uh, well ammoed. Uh, they would have food and basically they would be protecting like what would become a small town uh, eventually or big cities as they would become. Uh, 
Now, with that being said, uh, they were allowed to become Spanish citizens or Mexican citizens. They were given all the rights, so on and so forth. Uh, however, part of that was becoming Catholic. These white, a lot of these white folks were against that. They were against the Mexicans. They were, there was racism then. This is when the word greaser comes about, uh, back in the 1820s, 1830s. So this is not new. These racial tensions have, did not just show up. They've always been here for whatever reason. Uh, it's just, I guess, close proximity, uh, access to resources and minerals. And, and I guess one groups or another groups feel that they are superior in some way or another. Uh, there's many factors, uh, here, uh, eventually in 1840, uh, governor Batista would wrangle up, uh, under the pretense of conspiracy, uh, a bunch of different white settlers. And this would piss people off. Uh, this would, uh, lead, not necessarily lead to violence just yet. Uh, the Mexican government, well, actually, I need to say the Californian government would eventually free uh, these so-called prisoners, also pay them back as well. However, a U.S. Navy ship fully stocked and fully loaded would make its way into the San Francisco Bay alone at the same time, really uh, amping up tensions because at this time, Mexico really had no Navy. Uh, they were at a, a clear disadvantage and anything could have happened at that moment. Tensions were on the rise uh, all throughout the uh, not just California, but anywhere where there was Mexican land. Uh, Texas, we already know about the Battle of the Alamo. Uh, this was this was concurring, so uh, we got to look out for that as well. Again, like I said before, uh, these non-Hispanic citizens like John Sutter will be able to like to, will be the acquire would acquire the means to to gather these armies to gather these resources. But setting but instead of fighting for the Mexican cause, they would turn and switch sides for their own uh, personal benefit or switch to the U.S. Uh, with that, though, there were also talks of annexation. Uh, these talks of annexation of California begin, begin with Californians uh, in about 1830. So this is not nothing new. Uh, the, 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 the Mexican government, or at least the California government, government had already talked about possibly uh, joining the U.S. as early as 1830 under the governorship of Pio Pico. Uh, Britain, Russia, were also possibilities, even joining back with Mexico. Uh, now, however, none of this happened. Uh, Mexico also de was determined to get get their get their uh, get their army back in the game, get back in in California. But that eventually never happened because guess what? They were already embroiled in battle with the U.S. at this very moment. So that wasn't never going to work. Uh, eventually, U.S. Army Colonel uh, and immigrants from Sonoma. Uh, this U.S. Army Colonel was named John C. Fremont. Uh, they would lead. Uh, they would lead a rebellion uh, and took over. They would take over the barracks of Sonoma, uh, and they would they would raise what would become our state flag, the bear flag. This happened in 1846. So, uh, you know, so far we've broken down the founding of California. We got the founding of Sonoma, and we got the first instances of the bear flag. Uh, he was also helped out by Ezekiel Merritt and also William uh, William Idle. Uh, now they would uh, also arrest the governor Marian Vallejo. Uh, now and after they arrested him, uh, they would also push down south, uh, eventually cap, cap, uh, capturing Yerba Buena and also capturing uh, Monterey as well. Uh, they would capture Monterey as well, which was the capital, like I said, of Cal. Of Alta California. Uh, this battle, uh, for what it's worth, uh, militarily, the U.S. kind of just did their thing. Um, Mexico kind of lost, aka California kind of lost on both fronts. 
Um, I, again, California was at a disadvantage because it just got itself together from being involved with Mexico, and Mexico had just got itself from a bad relationship with Spain. Uh, so both of these regions were right for the taking. Uh, at the time, we still had you still had Californios fighting with lances. Lances, conquistador weapons, not weapons, not full uh, 1800s artillery. They were vastly overpowered uh, in Mexico uh, and in Texas. In the battle for Texas, uh, the Mexicans were outmanned by the U.S.'s uh, roving artillery. They were moving around. They had the horse-drawn cannons. It was a wrap for those dudes. They was not ready. Uh, at this point in time, the U.S. had developed their West Point Academy. Uh, they were going all in on war. Uh, they were becoming war. Mongers. I'm just going to keep it lit. Again, I have not told you about the California Indian Wars yet. It will turn your stomach. Uh, there's so much issues in there that that, that some of that stuff is bring, uh, be, becoming um, human rights or being considered to be human vice, rights violations. So when you hear uh, the modern day uh, history revisionist or the, the lost cause or try to tell you, well, the, the, there was no real genocide, there was no real genocide. Trust me, from the beginning to the end of these people's confrontations in the state, uh, they've they've the majority of their fighting was against natives, and the majority of their killing was against native. Whether it was uh, the Mexicans, Californians, sorry, this is the way it was, and also the European, whether that you know whether they were from overseas, from Russia, because in Fort Ross they were slaughtering Indians as well, or if it was uh, you know a, a settler uh, like John uh, John Sutter, that's what they were doing at these places. They were fighting. Uh, they were they were massacring natives who were not who were ill-equipped to fight them. Uh, and, and it kind of became the same situation where the bear flaggers came. The Californians were ill-equipped. Again, like I said, they had conquistador, conquistador weapons. They had lances. They did not have guns. They did not have tanks. Uh, none of that. The Mexican army had pulled out a shop. They were no longer there. They left those people, kind of. And uh, the U.S. Army, uh, like I said, with the help of John C. Fremont and also uh, with the with uh, Lieutenant Kearney, uh, who, who has a street named after him in that San Francisco, by the way, John Carney, look him up. Uh, they also, uh, you know, they conquered Southern California, which would lead to the Treaty of Cahanga signed in 1847, which would end all fighting. Uh, now drafted by, it was drafted by Jose Antonio Carrilla, who was a local California politician and a land owner. It was also approved by, improved all, approved by, and signed off by John C. Fremont and also uh, the, the Mexican governor at the time, Pio Pico, on January the 13th. Uh, now the Mexicans would have relinquished all military arsenals, so on and so forth. And uh, in a lot of cases, we're not giving their land back. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Uh, again, this would not change race relations, uh, not to say, not in a little bit. Things will get worse. Uh, things will change to different groups, as we'll see uh, in the gold rush and also the building of the railroad, because we'll talk about Asian immigration next. That's going to be the, the next big move when we start getting into the gold rush. And eventually in my next episode, I will be also talk to you about an all-black town in California as well. A lot of cultural diversity, uh, cultural diversity here, even from the beginning. So we're going to highlight that just as much as we highlight all the rest of this stuff. So once again, this is my series my my california immigration series the golden state issue this is your man l jamal if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you peace out one love y'all have a good night